Acts 3, verse 1. And it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Hallelujah. How many know, folks, sometimes there's just, there's just reason for extreme emotion. Amen. Sometimes this is reason to be excited, right? And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of our fathers has glorified your servant, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We pray that you'll speak to us today. Help us to hear what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this Acts, Acts 3 we're reading about, and so... I'm going to back up a minute. This whole the whole book of Acts, Acts begins um, as as the writer of Acts, Luke, is addressing the one he's writing it for, and that's uh, Theophilus. And he says to Theophilus, he said, Theophilus, in my former book, I wrote telling you about what Jesus began to do and to teach. How many you know that what happened in the Gospels was just a beginning? That God was continuing after that point. Jesus was continuing. How many you know God's still working today? How many of you believe God's working here in our midst today, right? And things that God wants to do. And so he, he, he said that, and then uh, an incredible event happened, and Jesus, he's, he's been speaking and, and teaching and sharing, talking about the kingdom of God. All of a sudden, Jesus ascends, and he's taken up into heaven. And so we have, we have that great event. And then in Acts, Acts 2, we have another outstanding event. And uh, how do you remember what it was? Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, right? And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all gathered together. They were all together in one place, in one mind, in one accord, right? And the Spirit of God was poured out as the church was launched, as it was birthed on that day, on the day of Pentecost. And so we have that outstanding event. So, folks, it, it was the birth. Remember, Jesus said, said when, when Peter answered, "Who are you?" and he said, "He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And Peter says, uh, Jesus says to him, "Peter, you're right." He said, "But flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but Father in heaven has revealed this to you, right?" And upon this rock I will build my what? 
church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, guess what? That church that Jesus was beginning was birthed on that day of Pentecost. That's when it was birthed and that's when it was launched. And the Holy Spirit came down and filled the believers with the Holy Spirit, right? And so an incredible event, central, essential. And, uh, and, 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 and folks, that's what we're, that's what we're part of today, right? That's our beginnings. That's our roots for the church, period, right? And, um, and so that's, that's where it begins. And then after that, say after that, we have Acts 3. So what an outstanding, amazing, important day that the day of Pentecost was. Right? How many, of you can, how many of you can recall some great, outstanding, important days in your life spiritually? Huh? Can you remember them? Can you pull them up right now? Maybe the day somebody first talked to you about the Lord, the day you were saved, the day you were filled with the Holy Spirit, the day God healed you, the day God, God miraculously answered, Amen. Um, some maybe it was some important meeting or or some special uh, service, a camp service or revival. How many of you have one of those? Right, you can think of it right now. You can you can go back instantly. You think of it about it, right? You 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 have those moments now. now. This is this is what I ask you: What happened after that? Because that's the focus of today. In Acts Acts three, lets us see what two apostles were doing on a regular day after Pentecost. And that's what I want to speak to you about this morning, is about after Pentecost. Now, the, the, the key word, the standout word, normally when we think about after Pentecost, we're going to focus, we tend to focus upon Pentecost. But this morning, I want to let you know that the key word today is not Pentecost, the key word is after. Say, after. Amen? After Pentecost. In fact, I thought I was tempted to almost just title this message after <laughs> because, uh, because that's what I feel like God is trying to teach us and point us to is after that, all right? We had this great day. We had this great encounter with God. God this, did this amazing thing. Now what, what do we do after? What happens after? How many know the after is so important? Amen? And so that's, that's what I want to look at, at this morning. And um, and so it's 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 not only the the not only the special God encounter that's important, but the day or days after. And I'm believing for God to do some incredible things in your life this year. I don't know if you're believing that for you, but I'm believing it for you. Amen, brother Steve. I'm believing, praying God do some amazing things. And and I, and I pray that it's not just that that moment or that time, but also that that moment leads to some incredible things after. Right? And, uh, and so I pray that for every one of us. And I encourage you to see the importance in what we do after. And perhaps God's already done something great in your life this year. Um, right? And, and so we thank the Lord. But let me, let's look at this story here. And this, uh, this glimpse of what we have of a couple apostles. And uh, so after Pentecost, we see that they, they went to the temple. Here we find two of Jesus' apostles going up to the temple. And why were they going there? To pray, right? It says they were going to pray. The Jewish people had, had designated three times of prayer each day. There was prayer at the third hour, which was at 9 o'clock in the morning. 
There was prayer at the sixth hour, which was at noontime. And there was prayer at the third hour, uh, at the the ninth hour, which was three o'clock in the afternoon. Amen? And so it was at this time, it was three in the afternoon, that Peter and John are going to the place of prayer. And so I want you to think about this for a minute. Here are two leading apostles outstanding apostles they were one of the three you remember Jesus he had the 12 apostles and he would often pull aside three of those well this is two of the three Jesus Jesus and and John just I mean it says Jesus loved John that doesn't mean he didn't love the rest there was just a special bond that Jesus had as a human being with John and Peter was always the outstanding spokesperson of the bunch right and uh, would always just step up and and lead and so here's these here's these apostles and these leading apostles who had recently spent time face to face with Jesus amen they had just spent three and a half years in his presence and got to be with him and see him after the resurrection and then they had followed that up with a 10-day prayer meeting. And I, God was in their midst and an incredible time. Folks, I'm going to tell you something about the intimacy of prayer. And those of you, how many of you enjoyed the time we had and then the week of prayer together, right? And we just spent a, a few nights together, just uh, four nights. And you, you notice the, how it just built and how it created unity. And it brought everybody on the, on the same page, right? Begin to glorify God together and, and lifted our faith and expectation. Could you imagine after 10, 10 full days, right? So they had that. And then they were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and, uh, and, 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 and began to flow in the gift of tongues as God enabled them. They participated in, 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 in leading and baptizing thousands of new believers and leading them to the Lord. And, and after all of this, we find them, after Pentecost, going up to the temple to pray at three in the afternoon. Now, I think we ought to be reminded again here of the importance of just basic Christian discipline. They weren't living off of what they had had in days prior. They weren't trying to live off of that relationship, the time they had with Jesus over those three and a half years, or off the prayer meeting, or off of the incredible outpouring and and, and, and expression of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, right? But they're, they're seeking more. They're needing more. And they realize that The ongoing discipline. Church, listen, we will miss it if we're just looking for the big moments and the big days and not taking advantage of what happens after about what happens in between. Amen? And so I imagine, Pastor Chase, you'll probably relate on that and touch on that when you're talking about worship. But um, because I think they're connected. But but here here we have this. You know, prior... Uh, the prior blessings just didn't exempt them from the temple prayers, from being in the house of God. Amen? Well, I did all this, and oh, I got God, and I'm full of the Holy Spirit, and the Lord's moved through me, and oh, I don't need to pray. I don't need to go to that. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do this. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, I do. Amen? I like what uh, the late Dr. Charles Adams had to say about Christian discipline. He said, the best religion in the world is expressed in regular daily disciplines and duties, not just occasional outbursts of ephemeral ecstasies. It's not based on the temporary highs or on the fleeting frenzy. 
It's based upon the daily disciplines. He goes on to say, and some get high on the Holy Ghost and try to just live from one high to another, neglecting the regular daily discipline of duty. They can leap, but they cannot walk. They can shout, but they cannot serve. You see them on one Sunday morning, you won't see them till the next Sunday morning. All these things, and we're living on this, this moment. Folks, listen, that is not the way God's designed us to work. Amen? We need to, it's, it's not just the moment where we experience encounter with God at that special moment, but what happens after? What, how are we allowing God to move in us and through us after? How many know that no matter what we've received from God, no matter how we've been used of God, no matter what we've done for God, no matter how long we've walked with God, we'll never be exempt from prayer and being in the house of the Lord or from any other basic Christian discipline, right? So let us remain faithful. Here's Peter and John, elite apostles, and they're still being faithful. They're still going to the house of God. They're still praying. We need it. We need it. I need it. And even though we've been pastoring for, for a number of decades and, and doing this, I need God more today than I did when I first started. And I pray that we'll have that hunger and desire and, and want to be in God's house and cherish that. And, and how, how do you know the enemy just doesn't want us to do that? <laughs> Come on, let's just be real. Let's be honest. Look at your neighbor and say, let's be real. Come on, wake up. Let's be real. All right. How many of you sometimes in your flesh, you're like, I don't want to go to church? Lift your hand. Have you ever said, I don't want to go to church? Now, don't lie. Everybody being honest. I don't feel like getting up to pray early. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to fast. Come on. We're, we're, there's something about it, right? Just that resistance. How many of you could say, those of you lift your hand, how many of you could say, but how many times when you pressed through and did it, God always met you. And you're always glad you did. You see, that's the daily disciplines, and we, and we need it, right? We need it. So, so listen, so as we, we experience that, those Pentecost moments, let's just say that. We experience those special moments. But what happens after? Continue with the daily disciplines and, and going and doing the things that God has called you to do, right? All right. Well, now, and they go on, go on from there. Then, and then we see something happens. And so after, after Pentecost, and I'm just going to say it this way. After Pentecost, they saw the real world. Say the real world. All right, that man, not just not just the stuff we like to look at and all this, but I mean all the all the junk and the pain and the ugliness, right? There was something ugly at the beautiful gate that day. And I'm not talking about the person; I'm talking about the condition, right? That was not what God had planned. How I many know God? God didn't plan that for us. Sin into the world changed everything, right? Something ugly was at the beautiful gate, but God was about to do something. They saw the real world. You know, at first when we saw the disciples and we see them coming in, they, they really battled self-centeredness. 
And I won't ask any of us to lift our hands today if we're battling self-centeredness. But, but they battled self-centeredness. I mean, just wondering about, you know, just, just focused on them and, and vying for attention. And, and, you know, and hey, Jesus, you know, he, he kind of likes me better than he likes the rest of them. You know, who's the greatest among us? You remember all those conversations, right? And, uh, and thinking about them and, and, and just thinking about ourselves and our nation, our people, right? Just thinking about the Jewish people and, and the Romans and they're just a bunch of heathen and they were heathen but the Roman let's just get them out God just get them out get rid of them so we can get on and live our life and just have a have a good time with you amen it was it was it was just kind of all about them but observing here observing Peter and John here we see that they're no longer focused on the Romans they're no longer focused on their freedoms Remember, even when Jesus was getting ready to ascend, they asked him, are you this time uh, going to set up the kingdom in Israel? Are you going to drive the Jews out and we're going to reign and everything's going to be great for us and we'll get rid of those scoundrels? Remember they were talking about that? But after Pentecost, they began to see the real world. God, help us as the church to see the real world. Here they see the lame man. I mean, they really see him. I'm not talking about the casual passing by that we all do. Amen? You know, passing, passing somebody by in the store or in the, in the hall or at school or work or whatever. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Whatever. You know what I mean? How y'all do that, right? How's everything going? Going great. You know, how are you? Do you really want to know? No, not really. <laughs> I'll see you. Amen. Just the casual, just being nice to one another. Amen. It, it wasn't that. The man had been put out there for years. He was, he was over 40 years old. He'd been crippled from birth. And he'd been sat there and he'd been learning. Just, I'm just going to sit there and, and uh, you know, my, my, my duty is just to sit there and rely on people's generosity. And they see me and just used to people walking by and dropping the coins in and, and just going. No feeling, no emotion, no connection, nothing. Just, just, the, just the emotion. Folks, let me tell you, sometimes we get caught caught up in that and we can get go so self-centered we're going doing what we need to do and what we want to do and we're on our way to church and we're on our way to walmart we're on our way to work and doing whatever we're just casually passing by now listen i know that's every one of us do that but in the middle of that god god might want us to see somebody Hannah, when she was praying this morning, I caught it. She said something like this, God, and God be with us and help us after service today. Lord, use us or move through us after service. I can't remember how you said that, but she specifically referred to God moving in us after. What about after today? What about after the amen this morning? God, will you help us to see the real world? Because this wasn't a casual glance. They looked intently at him and they commanded of him, look at us. Have you ever asked somebody, you said, especially somebody you know, said, how you doing? And they said, I'm doing fine. They start going, said, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Look at me. Look at me, right? How are you doing? And that's what they were doing after Pentecost. They were seeing the real world. What's going on in your life? I want you to know, friend, God cares about what's going on in your life. God sees you. He sees you. Even Hagar in the Old Testament 
God searched her out in a moment of incredible need. And he said, I see you. And I believe if my memory is right, she gave him a name, says, God sees me. I, I think that's right. How many know Jesus is one who sees us? He saw Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the outcast. This day, salvation's come to your home. You remember he saw Nathaniel, and he said, uh, Nathaniel, while you were still in the, in the sycamore tree, I saw you. Right? I saw you. How many know Jesus sees us? And what he does in us, the same Holy Spirit that was in Christ, is the same Spirit that's in me and you. And he helps us to see the real world. Are we seeing the real world, the needs of people around us? I'm going to tell you what, I thank God for a compassionate church. I thank God that you all, I, I see it, I hear it, about how you're concerned and how you're reaching out, that we're concerned about what law enforcement goes through, what our teachers have gone through, what people have gone through, tornadoes have gone through, that your heart goes out to the, um, to the family today, the, the Huey family, and you're compassionate, you care about people. Your heart goes out to those that are, that are bound up in, in, in lifestyles of, of just various addictions or whether it be those that are caught up in prostitution. You, you care. You see the real world. And folks, as we begin to see needs, it's then that God can begin to move through us to help meet them because he loves them. There's a horrible thing going on in America's border today. We've all talked about it probably. Is there a problem down there? Yes, there is. Is it being handled correctly? No, it's not. However, on the other side of this, there are people created by God, thousands of hurting people, desperately in need of hope, and urgently in need of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so there are two sides. One side, this thing needs to be handled correctly. Folks, this is, if you think I'm being, being political or making some statement, I'm not. I'm telling you the heart of Jesus Christ. Right? Because it's so easy for us to get caught up and, and we're thinking only about, is it wrong to think of yourself and your needs and what's right? No. Is it wrong to think only of yourself and your needs and what's right? Yes. Did you know that Right now, there are churches along 10 or more cities along the border who are right now meeting and praying and having prayer meetings and are getting food and holding special services and inviting their southern neighbors in and telling them about the hope in Jesus Christ. And there have been thousands and thousands of them to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, how many you know, that's kind of like what God does? Like God takes a bad situation and he turns it around and transforms it and uses it for something that's amazing. 
What if you were over there? I'm just, I'm just challenging our thinking here a little bit, folks. Listen, right? Because we can get all caught up in ourselves. I, I, I've said it before, too, you know, and I'm concerned. And I'm concerned as if the, those in the medical field and the nurses don't have enough to deal with already, right? As if we don't have enough to deal, needs to deal with already. But how do you know there's never a wrong time, a bad time to share love and share the hope in Jesus Christ? And God can turn them around and do something there. And so, folks, we don't, we don't follow the pattern of this world. We follow the, the pattern of our maker and our founder, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so after Pentecost, they saw the real world. After Pentecost, help us to see the real world. To see the people that live in a, in a different part of town. I'm just saying. Right? So otherwise we'll get focused on just us and it's comfortable and, and it's fine. Lord, continue to move in us and that we will be like you. Amen? That we'll be like you. But they were much more compassionate after Pentecost than they were before. And uh, Lord, help us to have more and more compassion. I mean, you know, the, the Great Commission called us to other parts of the country. And, um, and, and Jesus even told them, you know, to bring the gospel, bring it to Samaria. Man, they, they didn't, I mean, talk about conflict. They hated each other. I'm talking about they hated each other. And God said, you take the gospel to them. And now what we see happening down south, instead of us having to go to them, they're coming to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll take that and transform it. Let the light of Jesus Christ begin to move and give our leaders wisdom to be able to handle things the correct way, right? And so that other people are not hurt on the other end. But, Lord, move through us. How I many know we need, we need God? We need, we need to, like, do things Jesus' way, right? So... Let me, let me share one more thing with you, and that is something else that we see. And that is after Pentecost, they used what they had. Look at your neighbor say, use what you have. Use what you have. I mean, you know, we all have something, right? We all have something. There were two types of resources that are mentioned here. One of them was the natural resource, was silver and gold. But then there was the spiritual resource, or the supernatural resource, was the authority and power in the name of Jesus Christ, right? Thank God for that. And, and so, Lord, we help us because we need to use whatever we have, right? And we mustn't let, let the enemy destroy the such-as-I-have spirit. As Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such-as-I-have give I unto you. Amen? How I many know that's the part that God's concerned with? God isn't concerned with what you don't have. He's concerned about us using what we do have. Amen? He's not concerned with you not using what you don't have. What do you have? That's, that's, what, his, that's what his focus is on. He's concerned about that. And how many of you found yourself thinking about what I don't have? You, you feel bound up or tied up because you feel like you don't have, you know, a certain thing, right? I, don't, I just don't have the talent like so-and-so has. I, I, just, I just don't have the voice like so-and-so has. Come on, if, if you've ever thought anything like this, say amen. Come on, say, say bigger than that, bigger amen. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just don't have the money. I don't have the resources that somebody else has. 
I, I, just, I, just, I just don't have the privileges like so-and-so has. I just don't have the background like so-and-so has. I just don't have the training that so-and-so has. Hey, Amen. We're doing good, right? Amen. But I, I don't have this and I don't have that. We're talking about things we don't have. God's not concerned about it. Forget about it. He says, what do you have? Amen. And concerning, concerning the natural, uh, you know, what a reason. Peter, Peter and John, for whatever reason on this day, they didn't have any money. They probably carrying their debit card or something, you know. They didn't have any cash on them, they didn't have any coins. And uh, though a natural resource wasn't what was really needed in this story, how do you know that on some days it is? Sometimes Jesus, Jesus said, He who gives a cup of water in my name will not lose his reward. I know you can't, I mean, we all need to be prayed for, but you can't drink a prayer. You can't eat a prayer, <laughs> right? A prayer is not going to make you warm. I mean, you know, sometimes we need to give water, sometimes we need to give clothes, sometimes we need to give, right, uh, uh, food or whatever it is. And sometimes we need to do those things that are just, just natural, right? Praise God. We're so, we're so thankful, we're so thankful. I was, I was thinking about it again last night. So, so thankful for Stephen and Donna for just opening up your home and giving us what you had. There was no miracle. You would love to have seen that. You know, God just healed my neck, healed my wife's back, and praise God, we're out of it. It didn't work that way. But they gave us what they had. They gave us their own bed, and they took another one in their house, and they gave us their house, and they gave us their food, and they gave us their care. They gave us their prayers. They gave us their love. They gave us encouragement. They gave us the support. And so many of you throughout this time, you, you gave what you had. And I want you to know Lori and I made it, and we made it because God moved through you because you gave what you had. Use what you have. What is it that you have? The feeding of 5,000, a boy gave his lunch. There would have been no miracle, right? Probably no miracle unless the boy had given what he had, but he gave what he had. He said, well, I don't, I don't have much. It's not going to make any difference in this. Jesus said, if you give it, I'll use it. And he gave it, and God used it. I mean, that's just the way God works. He pointed to the little widow, the poor widow's gift of two small copper coins. And he pointed out how powerful it was that, that what that gift she had gave was, was more meaningful. It, it was a greater resource than those that were given out of their wealth. Amen. And the Lord asked Moses, you remember what he asked Moses? Moses wrestling, fighting God, you know, I don't have this, I don't have that, I can't talk right, and whatever. And God says, What's that in your hand? Who this? This this stick? <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, take it. How many know that's what God used? I mean, oh, God's still the same today as he was then. And he's still using what you have. Look at your neighbor and say, God's going to use what you have. So we have those natural resources and God uses them. Sometimes it's a natural resource, a thing we can do naturally that God's going to use to make a difference. But then there's the other side of that. There's the, the spiritual resource. And how many are glad that as spirit-filled children of God, we have 
access to an unlimited supernatural supply of the things of heaven that are stored up in heaven and God is ready to deliver them, amen, and move through us. And that's one of the important things why Jesus said, it's expedient that I go. It's more important that I leave you physically and go into heaven that I can send the comforter, send the Holy Spirit who will be among you and he'll empower you and equip you, amen, and that he would move in you. And so, folks, a, how many of you are children of God? You're children of God. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. If not, seek for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And power. He wants to do that. Why? Because God wants there to be. How many of you know we need a supernatural supply of things flowing in our life? Amen? Moving. That God will do things. That he'll help and that he'll provide. And some of those things only happen supernaturally. That's what Paul says concerning spiritual gifts. Brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. And he began to tell them about it. And it's interesting. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this. It says, now to each one. Say each one. To each one. Does that include you? (laughs) And me, yeah. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, right? The gift of miracles, the gift of faith, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, so on and so forth, right? All of those things. We need to pray for that and believe for that, that God's going to impart those things to the church and that we activate them and that we give what we have and that we receive from the Lord. And, and that's, why it's, that's why it's important that we have those Pentecost days, those special days, those big days where God imparts things to us because you can't give it unless you have it. And that's where we got to go get it. Amen? God's got it there, so let's, y'all with me today? Let's go get it. God move in me so that, but not just so that I can just have a great emotional moment and experience and focus on me. Oh no, God's blessing me. He's concerned about me. He cares about me, but it goes way beyond that. And so God can flow through me and he can flow through you, right? He goes on to say, Romans 12, 6, he says, we, we have, say we have, we have, say it again, we have. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then if it's encouraging, then if it's giving, then and give generously, it says. If it's leading, lead and do it diligently. If it's showing mercy, Show mercy and do it cheerfully. How I many know that God's given such things to us? How many of you look at your neighbor? Tell him, look at your neighbor. Look at him. Look at him and say, look at me. You got something that I need. Use it. Amen. All right. You got something that I need. Now use it. Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. Now look at what happened. When Peter and John gave what they had. And remember, it was, all, it was all a sequence of events. It was all set up because they were faithful to the daily discipline. It was on their way to church. Who, who would think that God might move and use you in a supernatural way on the way to church? On the way to a prayer meeting. 
that God might use you there. So it's because they were, they were disciplined in their daily duties and, and, and the basic things that the, the whole thing was set up. And because they, they looked at a man with the compassion of Jesus Christ and faith rose up in their heart and God revealed to them he is wanting to do something. Amen? And wanted to do something here. And then because they used what they have and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. And they activated it in faith and began to speak and began to act. And it opened the door. It paved the way. How many know when we act and when we obey, then it opens the door for God to begin to move and do what he does. Amen. And then all of a sudden God broke through and a man who was 40 plus years old who had been lame all of his life Peter takes him up by the hand his ankles and legs begin to strengthen and all of a sudden he begins to walk and he begins to jump and he begins to praise God and for the first time he goes into the temple of the Lord glorifying God thank you Lord for what you have done and then something happened after God saw a moment or Peter saw a moment that God had opened the door and he saw that God had gotten people's attention and he began to speak and he brought glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't for a second hint to anything that he had done. Oh, look at me. Well, I, I, I shouldn't, I'm not going to say it. I did this and I did that, you know. And it wasn't any attention to him. Let me tell you about the one who did this. By the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this man stands before you whole. And then he began to preach to the crowd. And numerous people got saved. And whereas there were 3,000 men approximately that were saved on the day of Pentecost, not counting women and children, and now the number of men, not counting the number of women and children, had grown from 3,000 to 5,000. Because of what happened after Pentecost. Folks, we've got to start giving great attention to the after. I've seen it my entire Christian life. I have seen it. I grew up in a strong, healthy mature spiritual environment in the church that I was planted in when I was saved. I've seen it. I've seen the real move of God. I know God's spirit. I know God's voice. I know God's power. I know God's love. I know his mercy. I know these things because of that church. But I saw people who only focused on the moment. I saw people literally be so excited because God did something with them. And literally just, I mean, like this guy. I mean, just running, leaping, praising God because of what the Lord had done. I saw people just, just in the God's presence and just soaking it in for hours. And I've seen them within a couple weeks be dried up. Vanish. Not see them for a few months and they come back in and they're crying out again and folks listen I'm not saying don't do that listen if you're away you get back to God and you cry out to God I don't care if you got to live on the altar amen you keep getting if you got to get saved every week then get saved every week I'm not saying that but I'm going to tell you God's got something better planned for you than that put into practice after those special moments 
put into practice the daily disciplines. And that's where we need each other and the encouragement of one another. And that's where there's strength. And you're strengthened by those that have been faithful in the disciplines and have, have hung in there through the thick and thin. Right? Praise God. Well, thank God for days like Pentecost. We have them. But how do you know that in a large way it just paves the way for amazing things that are going to happen, happen after? And so let's pay attention to the afters. Hallelujah.